This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 90, helping kids develop a positive inner voice. Hey everybody, I am Becky Higgins and with me is my friend, my co-host. We're actually sitting in the same room. Still six, six feet apart. Thank goodness. You know, we're practicing safety and social, social distancing. distancing. <laughs> social distancing is still a thing. But um, more importantly, you guys, it is May. I know that you, a lot of you are listening back to this at various times throughout the year. But right now, it is May when this episode comes out. And I want you to understand that in the great state of Arizona, it's unthinkably hot. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like Already. one day, it was beautiful. It's so bad. And this is coming like three or four weeks sooner than the usual. I feel, yeah. Becky, I don't know if Becky agrees with that, but man, it's all of a sudden I over 100. Like we had a really good spring, and I really did feel like it was being stretched out, but you're right. And I actually, the more I've heard about it's like It's usually records, like mid to late ugh. May before we get like over 100, but yeah. it's here. Enough about the weather. What's really Blech. happening is the weather's affecting Becky's hiking mojo. So. It is. Now I have to drive an hour ugh. to avoid getting bit by a rattlesnake. Listen, and there they're it is. not <laughs> just out to get you. They're really not, and I've only ever run into two rattlesnakes hiking, yet- in that was life. enough in my whole life. Yeah, I've run into one in my whole life. That was enough for yeah, me. I know, I know. <laughs> so Taylor and I have taken to walking the dark streets of our neighborhood at nighttime. <laughs> you know what? Do what you got to do. Everyone's yes. adjusting. Anyway, we're happy to be back with you guys. We're happy for another week of another great topic. This one's going to be good. I can feel it. I feel it in my bones because Becky Proudfit herself has prepared all the thoughts. Oh, you're darn right. I, did. I can't even darn write. right. It's going to be so good. But first, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. Every day in our life, we're telling ourselves stories, stories about who we are, the narrative about the state of our life and the meaning behind the struggles we encounter. The truth is so much of our happiness and peace relies on what story we are currently authoring in our lives. The trick is to become aware of the stories we are authoring and ask ourselves if that is contributing to our growth and progression. We sometimes continue narratives that no longer serve us because it's what we have always done. Living life in this kind of autopilot mode can hold us back from what we really want. As we become better authors, the most amazing thing happens. We live each day with elevated intention and we start to create the life we want and love the life we have. We invite you to become part of our new self-paced audio course, Live the Story You Want to Tell, where Becky and I guide you through how to cultivate in abundance your very best life. We would love you to join us on this journey by going to classroom.beckyhiggins.com and become a part of the Live the Story You Want to Tell audio course. We have a seat saved with your name on it. It is never too late to begin the journey or to harness the power and importance of your unique story. And we cannot wait for you to join us. I don't know about you, but I'm having a lot of time with my kids. Yep. Lots and lots. Lots and all the lots. So much of lots. <laughs> so great. I'm being touched a lot. <laughs> By the end of the night, I just want to not be touched anymore. But it actually has been such a cool Hold time. Hold on, time out. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. You don't even have like little littles. No. Your youngest is Caroline and Caroline's She's seven. seven. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet I believe that your family is just really extra touchy. Just lots of snuggles happening yes. all around. Okay. Sorry. I just had to like point that And it's great. Out. Uh-huh. And also, and I'm very much looking forward to not being touched as much. (laughs) 
But it's been an interesting time having all this time with our families yeah. because it's kind of um, putting it under a little bit of a microscope. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of putting you into this like ecosystem all unto yourselves. And so I have been doing a lot of reflection about my parenting, mm. about my kids, Good. about things I need to be better at, the things we want to work on as a family, and the things we're already doing correctly. I How mean, about you? There's no incorrect or correct, right? Well, I mean, no, I think there's some incorrect. Okay. If you beat your kids, incorrect. <laughs> okay. If Fair your point. kids make holes in the walls, incorrect. Incorrect. Okay. <laughs> Luckily, none of those things are happening in my house. But I've been thinking about this topic of self-image a lot with my kids. Mm-hmm. And I know, I'm, I, I don't know if I've talked about this before on the podcast. I know you and I, Becky, have talked about it. But I have this image in my mind of like... Um, this thing when I'm hiking of like, how do you hug a cactus, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, how do you deal with the little prickers of life? Mm -hmm. And the thing I keep coming back to is you help yourself and your kids to become super, super self-sufficient, right? Mm -hmm. And you can call it self-esteem. You can call it self-worth. You can call it identity. You can call it whatever you want here. We're calling it a positive self image, but how do we help ourselves and help our kids to cultivate that positive self-image so that no matter what kind of darkness they run into in the world, no matter what struggles they encounter, they are the light that can chase it out and that they can be resilient. And I'll tell you what, that is something that I have thought about a lot and I have not personally felt like I have the answers and I've wanted them. I've really thought about it. You and I have had conversations about it. You've had really meaningful conversations with my children because that's our relationship yeah. between our families that have meant so much to me. And part of, you know, before you dive into everything you want to share, part of the thing that I keep coming back to is thank goodness for the village. Thank goodness oh, for, for sure. aunts and uncles and friends and mom friends and dad friends and neighbors and people who care about my children also. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that village that helps me to raise my child does play into what we're talking about here because how they feel about themselves is oftentimes a reflection on the energy that they feel from other people around them and how they feel about them. Does that make sense? It's just, and I think oftentimes when it's, when you're not someone's child, Mm -hmm. um, the words you say have a bigger impact. So when I tell my kids, I love you so much, you're amazing or you're so smart or whatever I'm telling them, Yes, they're listening and absorbing, but also coming from someone who is not their parent, mm-hmm. sometimes those words can be even more impactful. Okay, are you ready? You're I'm so be excited. So thrilled because it's a list. Oh, what? And it's what a list. What is happening? Correct. It's a list of 10, <laughs> a nice round number. Wow. And I want to just kind of preface by saying I don't think we're going to like talk about anything that's like mind blowing new information. Okay. Right? Okay. But it's always good to come back, talk about these little things that we can do that sometimes I know for me, I get a little lazy about or I get a little complacent. Oh, uh-huh. And then it starts to kind of slip back in so oh, yeah. it really is just a reminder of all the things um that we can do and that we can be careful about to be proactive and helping our kids to develop a positive self-image and let me just validate you right there that sometimes the very best thing that we can hear or feel takes us right back to the basics because yes. it is easy to get complacent mm-hmm. it is easy to slip into bad habits or um or honestly there's neglecting. a lot of information out there uh, i don't know if yeah. you ever feel this way but as a parent i feel like i can talk myself in and out of like i need to be more lax no i need to be more oh, like authoritarian no, I need to, you know what I, like yes. I can talk myself in and out of 
in and out of whether or not I should be more strict, (laughs) less strict, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about the little things that we do and kind of the values we hold within our parenting. So these are kind of parenting values. Mm, I love it. I'm so excited. Am I going to be a better parent by the end of this episode? Just for sure. Okay, good. You can totally plan on it. Okay, good. Okay. So the first one I want to talk about. So I was talking to my friend about parenting as Mm -hmm. we all do. And she was sharing with me something that had actually been really difficult for her. Something she'd actually been in therapy about in her adult life. And it was the words that her mom used. And one of the things she told me was she said that her mom used to say that that's ugly. Don't do that because that's ugly. Oh, like behavior behavior clothing behavior oh and totally behavior okay and when she said that I have totally it like struck me because I've totally said that I've totally said that to my kids okay like hey that behavior that's that's not that's ugly behavior like that's not who you Mm, are that's not a good you know a good thing and that's not reflecting you and when she said that I was like oh my gosh I totally have said that to my kids Mm -hmm. and we are talking more about this and so my first thing that we need to be particularly mindful about is the language that we use to describe our children So not just language around our children. Obviously, we don't want to be using aggressive language with any human being, but particularly how we describe them. So I think sometimes we have a tendency to label our kids like you're being lazy or why are you why are you acting so naughty today or you're being so aggressive or whatever the case may be. We sometimes throw out these words to describe behavior. And what ends up happening is the child then internalizes it like you're calling them that. Mm, like, okay. you're lazy. It's a name-calling thing. It be, well, it's not even name-calling. It becomes but it feels like, that way. It does feel that way. And when you start to absorb, if someone called me lazy repeatedly, even if they were talking about my behavior, obviously I'm going to start to absorb that as part of my identity. Yeah. And that can be extremely damaging. Oh, yeah. And so instead of being lackadaisical with our words, um, even describing behavior just to be extremely cautious of the language that we use because even if it doesn't seem offensive to you, like these are very young, impressionable, impressionable, Mm -hmm. vulnerable minds Mm -hmm. and whatever. I I think the voice in their head becomes the most negative voice that we have for them, unfortunately. And this was a huge eye opener for me. So have you changed have oh, you, totally. Meaning, well, and like, I have think you I'm, thought more intentionally about the language that you're using since you had this conversation? Yes. Okay. And I think on the flip side, um, making extra effort to point out their strengths and not like, oh, you're so cute. You're amazing. You're wonderful. But like, hey, that was really cool how hard you worked on your homeschool homework today. I know that was really tough. That was amazing. You're really strong mm-hmm. or you're really resilient or you're really whatever. Mm-hmm. Those words can have an impact too. Mm-hmm. I and love we need that. to be focusing more on specific positive behavior words. Yeah, agree. Okay, so the second one actually goes back to the episode we did. I don't know the number, but it was about helping kids cultivate self-esteem where we talked about providing kids with small opportunities for success. Did we do that episode with just the two of us or with mm-hmm. someone? It was just the two of us. Okay. But um, I wanted to reinforce that. Giving your child tasks and little goals that they can achieve and ideally achieve on their own. The important part to remember is that you want to give your child age-appropriate tasks, right? So I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell Caroline, like, hey, go fold and put away all that laundry. Can she do it? Yes. Can she do it perfectly? No. So I'm not going to give her a task that she cannot do. Another thing that I'm actually dealing with a lot in my family is um, is having uh, too high expectations. Let me explain. So instead of going like 0 to 10, like, hey, the dishes are dirty, so could you unload the dishwasher? 
sometimes I have a tendency to be like, the kitchen's a mess, unload the dishwasher, sweep the floor, wash off the cat, you know, like do all the things. Yeah. Well, because that's what you would do if you were cleaning it Because up. it's exactly what I would do. Right. But that like zero to 100 mentality is not a proper or age appropriate expectation for your kids. Okay. Fair. Right. Right. And we have to remind ourselves of that. Yeah. Right. That's true. And it can be really, really, really difficult, especially in quarantine, because I feel like I'm shoveling in a snowstorm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know how I do this. You guys watch me do this all the time. Why can't you just do it the way that I do it? Well, the answer is because they're not an adult or a parent. Yeah, exactly. And they shouldn't. Like, they shouldn't want or be able to do it the way that I would do it. So are you saying to lower the expectations or to... I'm saying having reasonable expectations. If you set these huge expectations... A, it's probably not going to happen. And mm-hmm. B, there's all these goals that they're falling short of on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. If you're like operating function is like, oh, well, I have, I, I fall a little bit short every time mm-hmm. that's going to continue. That's a really good so point. So wouldn't it be better to break right. it down into reasonable expectations where these successes build up and then they become yeah. like a strengthening foundation? Yeah, no, I get that. That resonates with me a lot because, um, I, I, during quarantine, I hate to say share so many quarantine stories because it's going to be like one day won't even be relevant. I think anymore, this time but... in our lives is going to be with us for a very long. <laughs> Actually, time. that's a good point. This is always going to be relevant. Right. But the example that comes to mind when you say that is that during quarantine, um, Porter has had the opportunity to opt out of some of the schoolwork because his grade was already an right. A. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have very mixed feelings about that. But whatever, that's kind of neither here nor there. But David and I were like, well, ACT prep every day like that should definitely be the majority of your work because that right. actually matters more because you mm-hmm. already have straight A's and the reason I share this is because in our minds we're like okay you literally have so much time so right. like why not spend three hours yes. a day doing this yeah and do you see where I'm going with totally this? so we had to like back off our expectation and realize that even though it made sense to us mm-hmm. that really what's more attainable is let's start with 30 minutes a day and then let's build up from there. And so, or even asking him, what do you, what is your plan for being prepared for the ACTs? What does that look like yes. on a daily basis Good or a weekly basis? We didn't ask him. We just told him what to do. Well, because <laughs> let, let's go back to like, I think we shared a few episodes ago, like David having to help you be motivated to do your homework in college. Right. Right. right like you got to yeah. take yourself back there and be like, duh. If I could go back and everything I know now, I would spend four hours on ACT prep. But these are kids. Uh, like, Yeah, would anyone? <laughs> right? No, but I hear what you say. I hear what you're saying for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, I, and to what you're just saying, I do think that the more we really try to do this, we're not perfect at it, but we really try to involve our kids in the actual decision making that has yeah. to do with their life or with the family. Like, how do you think this will turn out if we do this? Or what do you propose that we do? Or what do you think is best the best way to spend your next couple of hours? Right. Or I, I think putting the ball in their court is really not just a good thing, a good mm-hmm. skill to learn, but it's so empowering when they can take ownership of making those decisions that point to successful experiences or wins, even right. the smallest wins. That's awesome. You want to be gathering their wins because Mm -hmm. that really becomes the narrative in their head is like, I'm someone who can take these tasks and be successful, or I'm someone who's often not successful. Yeah. And what narrative do you want them having? Mm -hmm. I mean, for heaven's sakes, we want them to have that can do mentality. And if we're giving them a task, like if my kids walk by the kitchen and are like, well, if I don't want to wash the floor and sweep the kitchen and wipe the counters and unload and reload, then I just won't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like it becomes that all or nothing mentality where if I could break it down a little more, like yeah. they would feel better. I would feel better. They might even participate more in like random acts of service in the house when they know that it doesn't mean they have to do like 
all these things. Such a good point. Or maybe Porter would study if he didn't feel like he had to sit down for three hours. Totally. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, absolutely. And, and before you move on, I do want to tell you that I looked it up and it's episode 28 that we did that you're referring mm. to. And it's called Helping Kids Cultivate Better Self-Esteem. So thank you for bringing that up because that that episode that we did quite a while ago, yeah, it was will, a long time ago. will be another one that some of our listeners will want to go back and listen yeah. to in connection with this episode. Yeah. All right. So number three is making sure that we are showing our children that we have faith in their goodness and in their abilities. Mm, So essentially this is reinforcing all the goodness and all the things that are already inside of them. I think as parents, sometimes we get very um, caught up in the work of not improving, but in teaching and helping guiding, guiding Mm -hmm. and helping to be better and help, you know, helping growth and progression. And sometimes we don't spend enough time, um, really reinforcing their goodness that is innate within them. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Like we'll reinforce goodness that's learned behavior, but not necessarily what is innately who they are, like their inherent worth. And so what you're saying, it sounds to me, is almost like we need to shift more of our focus to the validation of their innate character. Yes. Well, taking time to know their innate character and validating, but it really plays into like discipline when obviously as a parent, your guide Mm. is your job is to discipline and, and help them to become better, help them to learn and progress and grow. And I think sometimes in that process, we've talked about this a ton, but when we try, when we tie ourselves to our parenting, we know that we can get a little bit sticky and over-involved, but I think essentially it's helping your kids to know that they're not catastrophically flawed because they're growing, developing human beings. Like this is exactly who they should be. So when we're, when we're disciplining, making sure that again, we're not using language about that, that is degrading to their character. Right. So you could change something like, you know, your kid stays out too late, whatever you have to go in and have that hard conversation. You could say something like, I totally understand. I understand that sometimes rules are hard to follow. I totally remember what it felt like to to think that, you know, or to to wish that I was older than I was and and to be wishing time away. I totally understand that. And then explain the boundaries, but it has to be kind of like packaged in this in this deal of like loving understanding. Because if not, like their desire to stay out, they're like they can start to internalize, like, I suck. Why, why would I even want to do that? I'm so flawed. Like, if I was a good kid, I wouldn't have even wanted to do that. When a lot of this is so developmentally appropriate. Yeah. Like, so much, like, yeah. most everything you're ever going to go through with your kids is so developmentally appropriate slash really hard to observe as a parent, and it sucks. But we have to, we have to keep that in mind. There's nothing wrong with our kids mm-hmm. because they have a desire to, like, step a toe out of line. Let me add uh, another perspective to that because I like the example that you gave with like you were out late and then relating to the child to say, man, I totally remember and I understand. Let's say you're in a situation where you don't relate, you don't understand. That's okay too. We're not supposed to relate and understand everything, but I think that the verbalization can look something like, you know, hey, I, I can't imagine making that same choice or I don't remember feeling that same way that you did at this age. However, like 
we celebrate our differences in our family. I'm not saying you have to use those words, but right. in, within families, we all should be honoring each other's differences. Right. But with that vibe and that energy and that feeling that comes behind the message of like, hey, I may not agree or relate to this or understand where you're right. coming from, but I do get that this was really important to you right. or that you really got lost in that moment and wanted to stay out later with your friends in this right. example. Or even just to say, help me to understand. Or that. Like I get I really that, like I that. see that this is hard for you. Yes. I see that you're frustrated. Help me to understand. Yeah. Where are you coming from? What yes. would you like me to understand yes. from your perspective? And it doesn't change the boundaries. It doesn't change the consequences, but it, it's just a different way of approaching the consequences mm. that it isn't like, you know, mm-hmm. corporal punishment kind of a situation. And it really is, okay, will you cross that boundary? Mm-hmm. And I, I thank you for helping me to understand it's just a different dialogue, I guess. Can I mention something? Yes. So this is, I obviously, this is content that you have come up with and that you're sharing. So this isn't something I planned ahead of time, but as you're talking, you and I both just recently, um, purchased the same online course from a friend of ours, Mm -hmm. Roger K. Allen, and it's called, um, the power of deep listening. I really have a good feeling about what we're going to learn from just because we love him. He's He's great. He's been a guest on our show and the power of deep listening. It's a listening skills course that you can take online might be something worth looking up rogerkallen.com because of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. He is a wonderful resource. Yeah. And a lot of like very research based, Mm -hmm. very, a lot of my parenting thoughts. Um, when I took his class, it kind of, caused me to think about things in a different way. Like it just mm-hmm. opened up my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times, whether or not we intend to, we operate from a place of fear of like, well, if I, if I'm not super authoritarian, if I'm not the parent, if I'm not X, Y, and Z, then my kid's going to end up in jail. <laughs> like we take it to that extreme place, Yeah. but he helps you to really expand your understanding of what communication means and how that plays into your parenthood. Yeah. I'm so excited to go through that course and be further enhanced in my listening skills because mm-hmm. isn't that what we all want to try to be better at doing as a parent Yeah, or hello in any relationship, right? We can all be a little better about listening. And I think generally if people feel understood mm. and your kids probably more than most people, if they feel understood, um, that is a really solid foundation yeah. to, um, to have a safe relationship which is exactly what we want. Absolutely. Okay. So number four is spending time together. It sounds so dumb. Like, of course, spending time together, but this is something dumb, obvious, obvious. Okay. (laughs) Like slap you in the face. Obvious. (laughs) Right. But I think quarantine has helped me to understand my kids. You know, I have kids of varying ages. We have lots of friends in and out of our house and we love that. We love being the house that people can go to. And that's something we've really enjoyed. Something we've always been protective about, but maybe even more so lately, is um, is the time that we spend together as a family um, and making sure that there isn't friends around. And that is really hard in a non-quarantining situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, such such a big part of your self-concept is that relationship with your family and how you feel loved, how you feel valued, how you feel safe. And it's kind of that like baseline in your life. If you have that unconditional safe place, it provides you a lot of security in the relationships that you build on top of that. I love that. And you know what I think also is really cool is that from an outside perspective, if I knew 
like say our families, mm-hmm. right? If I knew that your family has like every evening after six is like no friend zone, right. you know, for example, it just increases my respect for your family. It increases oh, my, totally. like it, it's inspiring to me as a friend, like, huh, we should look at what boundaries our family has because we also want to be protective of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've experimented with a few of those things, even in quarantine yeah. in terms of like when we are not on devices, cause yeah, we don't have people in our home, right? right? But it's another distraction. But it's another mm-hmm. distraction. So I think that's a really, really great thing for everybody, especially the the role of parents that most of us listening, you know, that's yeah. what we have. That's what our role is, um, to be really introspective about that and think deeply about the better boundaries that we could have in place to have increased family time. I think it's difficult. Um, I know for my kids, because we'll go to our cabin or we'll go do something as a family and they want to bring a friend mm-hmm. and sometimes we let them, Yeah. but we're really becoming more protective about kind of that like forced family time. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate, don't be afraid if your kids aren't like jumping like up and down yes. for the first little while. And even if that always continues, um, it's don't be offended if they prefer their friends over you mm-hmm. again, that's exactly how they're supposed to feel as a teenager mm. or as a small, whatever your kid's age are don't be offended when they do that that's totally normal and it's totally okay and you can totally tell them it's not no we're not bringing friends this time and it can still be a good experience Mm -hmm. but don't put the like the expectation that if you roll this out that your kids are going to be like super stoked about it all the time yeah no that's a good point yeah and they will have I mean in our experience with that we've um we have, when we've put the kibosh on like, no, we're going to actually go to this thing and friends aren't coming because we're very similar in mm-hmm. our family lifestyles, yeah. yours and mine, um, in terms of we have that revolving door and we love friends. We love friends. We love yes. people. We love having friends in our space, in our home, in our experiences. Um, but uh, to feel the resistance of, ugh, really just us, you know, just our family. It feels like a knife to the heart. <laughs> like I want it to be like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. But it's not a Hallmark movie, right? Totally. It does feel like that job of like, dude, are we not like supposed to be your favorite people? But really like Becky, what you're saying, don't take offense to that, but rather just enforce what you know is important to do, which is still maintain your, fa- your sacred family time. Like where it's mm-hmm. just your family and stick to it because on the other end of it, and I mean, it could be five minutes after or it could be 50 years from now, your children more than likely will have fond memories and feel really grateful that you were protective of those experiences. Whether or not they wanted to go into it, Mm -hmm. they will appreciate it on the other side for the most part. I believe. I don't think there's anything that can can go wrong with uh, with family time, and it kind of goes along I mean, with there's what a we lot talked of about. That can go wrong with family time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, it kind of goes along the same vein we talked about, like having forced boredom, or we force our kids to not be on devices, or you know, kids need to feel bored. And I think sometimes actually friends can become a buffer. Mm. Like it can become a buffer 100%. because those familial relationships are really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just really, they're deep relationships you have to put work into and be, and be open to. And I think sometimes friends are just easier. Yeah. Cause they're pretty inconsequential. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Really good way of putting that. So it's true. friends, those kids get vulnerable with yeah. the family time. Yeah. And remember friends can be buffers and be, mm-hmm. we need to be mindful of our buffers. Buffers doesn't equal bad. But mm-hmm. we just need to be mindful of what they are right, and how they are utilized in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Number five is supporting your child's interests. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. this can be really tricky uh-huh. <laughs> because as an adult, 
there are a lot of things I don't want to spend hours doing uh-huh. or learning about right. or hearing about. <laughs> Jameson right now is super into these these guys called Treasure X okay. guys. Uh-huh. I don't know where they came from or how he found out about them, but he's super into them. They have all these different like swords and whatever. Okay. Super into it. Uh-huh. But one way that I can connect with Jameson is as he's collecting these little guys, I will let him like tell me all about them. Oh, all about the things. you. But that to him <laughs> is like the most interesting thing to yeah, him right now. Absolutely. And so I have to, even though it's not maybe interesting to me, um, I have to let him like go there mm-hmm. and like share what you have to meet him where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I'll be darned if I'm not starting to get interested in those stinking things. <laughs> Because of how interested he is in it. Interesting. We have to, have to, have to meet our kids where they're at with their self-interests. I think oftentimes we have an adult's perspective and we're like, that is probably foolish. Or Mm. you don't want to spend your money on that or you don't want to do that because it's really not going to be important to you in the long run. Or why are you interested in that? Yeah. Why are you? That is, that's really weird. That's really dumb. to the point where you wanted to play Brawl Stars for seven hours a day? You know what? Yes, perhaps that is your kid's thing. But here was the thought that I had with this. If you're constantly giving them the message that the things they're interested in are dumb, mm-hmm. and yeah, like a four and five year old's probably interested in some pretty silly things, um, that messaging continues. And when they're out in the world and they're interested in something, they're automatically going to doubt themselves because they're like, oh, it's pro- I'm interested. It's probably dumb. Mm. How many like things haven't been done because people were too afraid that what they wanted to do is stupid or what they were interested in oh, was stupid. Every day, right? And that, I mean, doesn't that just make you sick to think of you like choking out mm-hmm. your kids love of, of discovering mm-hmm. and, and figuring out what they like mm-hmm. and what they're meant to do. I found a, a happy medium when I, um, when crew, for example, you brought up a Jameson story. So I'll share crew experience yeah. where he wants to explain all the details of uh-huh. because that's so interesting it's to so him. interesting to him and he's so obsessed with it and I might be in a place where I really can't turn everything off that I might be right in the middle of doing in that moment and so my transition that I do like my, my I can't my wait medium, to hear this is I will make sure that I really make that eye contact so that he knows that I totally care and that I'm listening and I let him just kind of round out the thought that he's sharing and then I'll say you blow my mind. I can't even believe that you understand that. That is amazing. And I validate, validate. And then I say, um, and then I say, I don't know how you got to the point of actually understanding all of this, but I am so impressed. Let me, if, if it's all right, I'm going to finish what I'm working on. And then, and if you'll give me 15 minutes, will you tell me more about that? So I'm just, I think that sometimes that there are times when you, you, we are also adults with other responsibilities who are trying to find that balance of, being a good parent and also being responsible with other responsibilities. And so you can validate instead of shutting them down Mm -hmm. or saying, I don't have time for this, or this is not interesting to me, which those aren't words that would, you know, right. We wouldn't really say those, but you can give that message. Exactly. You wouldn't say that, but you might give that message with how you're responding. Exactly. So be careful with the message and you can still like hit the pause button and circle back to it later. If you can't in that moment, like, play with the Barbies. And then one other thought I'll leave you with, with this section is, um, if your child is going off just really expressively loving and and telling you all about something that really interests them, rare is the occasion in life where you truly don't have five minutes to stop what you're doing and listen. Mm, Agree. You know, we have a lot to get done and Mm -hmm. a lot to do. 
and it can seem it's really easy to jump to like I don't have time to do this but truly like increments of five minutes are pretty easy to find yeah and so just really questioning them when, when a kid is so excited like that that's yeah. that's kind of a form of vulnerability of like them opening up to say look at how cool this is and let mm. me show you and then to to shut it down mm-hmm. repeatedly obviously we all have to do this sometimes and I'm sure like me you guys have done this before but to repeatedly do that mm-hmm. you're essentially saying like I just don't care mm-hmm. and they're not going to come to you I think that's a really good point and to your point back, like in the grand scheme of things, especially beginning with, with the end in mind and you kind of go to mm-hmm. later in their life and thinking back, you don't want to have those regrets of, man, I really did shut them down a lot. I really never paid attention when they did vulnerably express to me their enthusiasm right. or their interest or whatever. And five minutes, they, a kid can probably get a lot off their chest oh, totally. in five minutes. Totally. And, and for you, that's like nothing compared to the hours that we have in a day. Right. I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I love that you just said, yeah, just validate them in that five mm-hmm. minutes. Just even being like, buddy, that's so cool. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it needs. Right. I love that. That's so interesting to you. You know, be, <laughs> being able to say something like that. That's like, amazing. You, all that information you have in your head. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I say yeah. that because I'm not into pretending like I am also interested in the thing, right? but they can absolutely feel validated from me that I Mm -hmm. think it's so cool because they know what I am interested in. They don't want to have a thing to do with my hiking, but they can appreciate that it means so much to me and it goes both ways. We can support and validate each other without pretending like we're interested in the thing. My kids are very honest about how not interested they are. (laughs) Can you tell that this is like, it's kind of a thing lately where my kids are like, no, just so you know, we really hate it. We really don't like it. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I tried. And one day later, you're going to thank me because hiking will become your passion. And and that's where that forced family time comes in. You're like, oh, darn it. Today's forced family time. And it happens to be in the woods on a trail. You're welcome. It's going to be great. Okay. So, um, my sixth point is that natural consequences reign supreme. Mm. And what I mean by that, this is a lesson I have learned time and time again in parenting. Um, so much of my disciplining, um, I realized traced back to me trying to save my children from natural consequences. Mm. Now I will say, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Your job is to keep your kids from jumping off a cliff. Like that is your job. You keep them safe, but that doesn't mean that you keep them from skinning their knees and falling down right? You want to keep your kids absolutely safe. The great thing about natural consequences is that they teach so much more effectively than anything else ever could. It's true. Social consequences. Mm-hmm. So much more. So if you say your kid is a quirky kid, all kids are quirky, let's be honest. Um, all adults are quirky. Are you We are all me? quirky in the best way. It, <laughs> we are. You know what it is, is in adulthood, it becomes more acceptable and we start to celebrate quirks hmm. when we all become mature enough to like, know that it's not a threat to us. We're hmm. like, okay, this quirky thing's pretty cool. As kids, it's all about the assimilation and there's like that super calling out of, of any kind of like hmm. nonconformist behavior yeah. becomes very difficult. So I, I'll go back to the example I've given before about my, my daughter wanting to wear gymnastics outfits to school and, um, the therapist we were, we were seeing for another issue, uh, said, so what, let her wear it. Why enter into that contention with her when, if she goes to school, there's going to be social consequences for wearing gymnastics clothes for school. And wouldn't that be a better teacher than you getting into this, like locking horns with her about this every day? Light bulb. And I was like, 
Yeah, that sounds a lot better. That sounds a whole lot better. Um, I think this is actually a big part of keeping kids' dignity intact. Mm. I think sometimes we become so fearful about social consequences that we like berate. Like we kind of like demean in a very watered down way. Like, don't do that. That's weird. If you do that, this will happen. When really, um, as we're teaching our kids, sometimes allowing those natural and social consequences to be be the thing that helps to guide their behavior is really the best thing. Yeah. And Truly. I mean, freedom and agency, two mm-hmm. wonderful things that all humans love. Like let them explore their style. Let them explore how they behave or treat totally. people or show up to school in a leotard. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They're embarrassed exactly. or they get teased or there are social consequences. Well, like you said, isn't that sometimes the best teacher? And it's totally. not even that what they're doing is even right or wrong. But it's then it doesn't a, become about you. It doesn't become about right. adhering and assimilating to your stuff or your insecurities. It becomes about who they want to be and what is or is not acceptable consequences in their lives. Mm. Because the truth is, we can make all the consequences we want, but your kids get to a certain age, there's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing you can do anymore. And those consequences and those decisions they make, those confident decisions they make, are literally what determines the rest of their life. Yeah, I wish I could... Like when my kids are 25, I could put them in timeout, but I don't think that would work. I mean, you could try. <laughs> I think I should try. But <laughs> I think do you, you know what I mean though? We can't, will. we can't always be there and yeah. those natural consequences will yeah. go with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number seven is helping your child to work out their own problems. Okay. So hard. Seems simple. Oh my gosh. So hard. <laughs> this might be the hardest parenting philosophy ever because I want to shake them and be like, but I know I've lived through all this and I have so much information and now I would just like you to not learn and just listen to me. That would be fantastic. It'd be easier. Mom can solve your problems if you just let me. Before you even get to the problem. Exactly. I can prevent you from having all the problems if you just hear me out. If you just hear me out and (laughs) listen to exactly what I'm saying. Right. Obviously we say that joking, but really I think sometimes that's what we do. Yeah. Like we think we can save them from all the things when really problem solving is one of the most important skills any of us we need i mean ever cultivate we have to have that to exist as humans oh and fyi when your kid learns that they can solve their own problems it builds confidence it builds self-esteem bingo because when you allow them to work out their emotions to work out their problems of course again in a safe way Um, they understand that they are capable of it. Mm -hmm. The underlying message of us trying to always solve their problems is I don't actually think you're capable of solving this on your own. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That is not empowering our kids. And learning to manage emotions um, is a key part of adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my kids was having a moment during homeschool and we had a talk about boundaries. We had to have a very frank talk about boundaries and I had to explain to that child, okay, so my boundary is I don't allow people to ever raise their voices to me. Mm. Not adults, not kids, not strangers, not dad, nobody. Like that's a boundary I have in my life is I do not allow people to get verbally aggressive with me. And that boundary applies to you. I love you and you're my child, but you will never, ever be verbally aggressive to me because that's a personal boundary I've set for myself. And we talked about boundaries. And then I said, okay, well, what are some boundaries you have for yourself? And we talked, we talked through that, but it became a much more impactful conversation than 
you know, stop, stop getting like all angry about this homeschool situation or the thing that they were frustrated about. And it became about, Hey, this is what we do. And this is how we, um, we become, I guess, autonomous in the things that we, we hold to be true as we say, these are my boundaries and we don't cross those boundaries. Mm. I, that's great. That's a life skill. That's not it's a like life a parenting skill, thing, it's you know, a great conversation. That being said, we have to understand that, um, that our kids learn through trial and error. And I wish that that was not the most effective teacher, but it is, it is the most effective teacher and they need to learn. So teaching them about boundaries and how it feels when they dip a toe on the other side of a boundary, um, having that ongoing conversation can be really helpful in helping them to problem solve, um, in their life and their emotions and deciding what their boundaries are. When the goal is empowering our kids, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that, that is one of the biggest things that we can do yeah. to help them feel more empowered because it is something for them to figure out for themselves how to problem solve. And one thing that comes to mind with that is problem solving between siblings. Ooh, yeah, that's it's a good one. happening right in your home mm-hmm. and it's happening with another individual and parents are often brought into the middle of sibling quarrels, mm-hmm. right? That's just a typical like it's very normal, very yeah. appropriate, but this is such good practice for the kids to, to self, um, self-regulate self, really self-regulate. That's mm-hmm. a good word. Yes. Because they are doing it with another human mm-hmm. and they're in a safe place. It's in their home. It's yes. with a sibling, but to be able to give them that power to say, I believe that both of you mm-hmm. totally are capable of figuring this out. So I'm going to step away. Right. And I can't wait to find out what the results are. So it yeah. doesn't have to just be problem solving by themselves. It really can start totally in, in, the the, in, in those human to human conflicts. I mm-hmm. think where boundaries come in is obviously there are places that those like sibling rivalries can go that are not safe or not healthy or not productive. But if you're teaching boundaries from the get go, if you're helping children to understand that they're a allowed to have boundaries and b how to express those in a way that's healthy, they can still have conflict and it won't get to that point of being dangerous or hurtful to the relationship. Exactly. Okay. So number eight is be a safe place. Um, I was at education week a bunch of years ago and education week is at Brigham Young university every year in August. Yes. And it's essentially like a week of just personal improvement classes. And I was at a parenting seminar and one of the things that he taught, I couldn't tell you most of what he taught. I'm sure it was wonderful, but I learned a lot of things that week. One thing that stuck with me is the guy who was teaching said, um, you need to let your kids talk. When your kids come home at 11 p.m. and they want to talk to you till 2 a.m., you have to let them. And you have to let them every single time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm going to be very tired. <laughs> that sounds really, really hard. And I had little kids at that time, and so they weren't wanting to like talk late at night. They were falling asleep. Now that I have a little bit older kids, I totally get what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. When you go and tuck your kids in bed and they just want to talk to you and tell you about all the things, um, you have to let them. You learning that and then sharing that with me has made an impact on my parenting that I'm forever grateful for. Cause I've thought about that a lot and I put it yeah. into practice and there have been many a times when I, it's not just being tired and late at night. Cause that's a pretty classic example, right. but it goes back to what you talked about earlier with that. I'm not really interested. You're interested in talking about this, but I'm really not. It doesn't matter. Yep. As a parent, like guess what? You get that responsibility. Like it doesn't matter if you're interested. It doesn't matter if you're tired, like take Mm -hmm. the minute, take the five minutes, take the three hours. Mm -hmm. Your child is way more important than whatever else is in front of you. And here's the thing, what you get over 
what you get out of sitting through all those situations that you're not super interested in is when something really matters, when something important happens, they're going to come to you yep. because they know that you're there. They know you're safe and they know that you are going to listen. That's my favorite part of that whole yeah. principle. I and love that. seriously is the best ever. We have lots of late night conversations and I will say, I do believe sometimes my children used it as a way to get out of like me leaving their room at night or you know what I mean? Being able to come to our room and stay up later. And Taylor and I just decided like, I don't care. I don't care if they're using it as an avoidance tactic for yeah. bedtime because honestly, they're talking yeah. and it's not like it happens every night or it's four hours, but when it happens, we let it happen. And we've had some of the most meaningful conversations with our kids. And because of that, we've established this pattern of being a safe place for each other. I love that so much. It's very good. We love it. Very, very inspiring. Okay. So number nine is let them get out and explore, let them figure things out, let them go and explore the world. And no, I don't want to, I know I would like them to live in a bubble as well. I'm, I hear that's not the way to do it though. I hear they Um, won't learn anything. Oh, this one's hard. It is so hard. Let them ask questions without them feeling like an idiot for asking questions. The hard part is that we have to help them to nurture this curiosity, Mm -hmm. imagination, self-reliance, resilience, and all these things require us to let go Mm-hmm. And it's so hard. It's so hard. But you know what happens when you do that, um, as we're increasingly finding out, it's like what you're saying um, with the last principle, is when you set this up as a pattern and you you cultivate that safe place and you are that safe place for them, you're setting this pattern up mm-hmm. so that they feel secure in coming to you with the questions. So because you're talking about let them yeah. ask questions. Don't demean them. Don't diminish their questions. Don't make yeah. them feel stupid for wondering things or questioning things. Like, how awesome is that that they have questions? Invite them to ask the questions. They're not right mm-hmm. or wrong. The questions. Well, aren't here's the good thing about questions: bad. kids will have them. The question is whether or not they're asking you, because mm-hmm. they're going to be asking someone. And Could do you want Google. that person exactly? Do yeah. you want that person to be you? Right. Right. It it can be very hard to let those sweet babies go. But if we are too cautious, if we are constantly sending them that message, like we talked about before, I actually don't think you're capable of making a good decision here. They're going to be afraid. They're going to be afraid their whole lives. They're going to think that they're flawed, that they're weak, and they're not even going to be able to identify like what is holding them back. But sometimes expressing that confidence in your kids helps them to understand that they're resilient and that you believe in their capabilities. Mm. they have to believe in their capabilities because if not, they're, you know, I can say a hundred different examples, but if you don't believe in your abilities, that is like the breeding ground for abusive relationships and manipulation and a Mm. whole bunch of other things in adulthood underachieving and lack of fulfillment and all these things. If they believe that, you know, that they're resilient, that they will get through this, that, that they're capable of doing whatever they want and that you are helping them to see that what they want is good and, and worthy and, and interesting. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And interesting. That's going to be a message that's going to give them the, the courage to go out in the world to like put themselves out there. Mm. I don't want kids who hide. I don't, I don't want to hide. I don't like hiding. I don't like how that feels. Mm-mm. And I don't want that for my kids. I want them to be able to go out and be free. Go be free in the world. Mm, love that. Okay. So I'm going to do number 10 and then I have a bonus. Ooh. So number 10 comes from something that my kids tell me all the time. 
Um, so the beginning part of it is, is make sure that you have fun with your kids, comma, and this is what my kids tell me all the time. Not everything has to be a teaching moment. Oh, dang. I know. Um, <laughs> I would love everything to be a teaching moment because I feel like I have so many good things to teach right, them. But right. sometimes I forget that not everything is an object lesson. Not everything <laughs> is cause for improvement. Not everything is a lifelong lesson that we're learning together. Like sometimes you just need to have fun. And take that pressure out of it. I love it. I had to add that because that, that That's is true. And, and the more I work on myself and become aware, I just want to, ex- you know, just give them all this knowledge. And Lucy says that to me a lot. Mom, not everything we, this, can this not be a teaching moment? Cause <laughs> can I you not turn that experience into right? an analogy right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I have good news. I have shameless plug here, but I have really good news for those of you who have personalities similar to mine and Becky's mm-hmm. where you really could pull a teaching moment out of your hat. Like for any, it's a gift really. <laughs> we'll call it that. No, but when you have all of this experience and knowledge and insights that you want to impart on your children, The good news is that in our online course, Live the Story You Want to Tell, Mm. there's so much empowerment in taking these things that you feel inside that you want to tell your kids every single day. Yeah. But instead of overwhelming them, you can get those things into writing and they actually can last for generations even, which is even better, right? Than just having an impact on on just the one person in the one moment. Sometimes it's better to have it in writing so that all of your kids can... Anyway, we walk you through all sorts of things like that to kind of really fine-tune and and hone in on like what kind of things do you have to share? What kind of insights do you want to impart? What kind of experiences did you turn into an analogy? Well, sister, we're telling you, like take it all and write it down and and keep these, these writings, keep these experiences preserved so that your children and future generations can benefit yeah. from your wisdom because you are wise we know we you are, are so wise <laughs> when are the kids gonna realize this right but honestly I think I, I love that writing component and writing has helped me um help me feel like I am making something of of the lessons that I've learned without having to overwhelm my kids there you go and make an object lesson there like you go out of a grape or something <laughs> or a cactus well you're still gonna work on that one. oh I totally you're I'm totally obsessed with this cactus idea okay so then our final one that is our bonus one is to encourage 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 mm. all the encourages all the time encourage encourage the kids need it um there's what was our friend Tamara Frackrell? We had a marriage, a uh, little marriage seminar, and she said it takes, in marriage, it takes five positives to cancel out one negative. Um, I would believe that that is a similar thing for kids. If anything, the ratio is probably higher for kids. Mm. So thinking about making sure that you're encouraging five or 10 times or a million times more than you are correcting, let some things go. Here's, here's the real magic of this. Yes, your kids need encouragement. Whatever's happening in your house, assume that most of the input they're getting from the world is negative, right? Those social consequences, there's a lot of input there. So you have to be making up for a lot of that with your encouragement. Your kids need it. Now here's where the magic happens. You actually need it. Mm. The more you look for things to encourage your kids about, the more you're going to see those encouraging things. And it's going to help you to take some of the fear of parenting out. You're going to be able to more clearly see your kids' gifts and skills and goodness kind of appear right before you as you are focusing on looking for that instead of just the things to correct. Mm. So that's like the best 
So there, see, there's nothing like mind blowing. These are all like very basic principles very that we simple. all know. I love simplicity. It is though. It is that simple. Yeah. And it's just about reminding ourselves of what our intention is. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we get in, in the situations and we forget about the bigger goal or the larger intention. And so for me, that's one thing that we've been thinking so much about is that larger intention. And I have seen as we've had all this time together, like our family has changed. Like it's been a really good, positive thing. And we've made some really great steps forward as a family. So I'm excited to see what happens in the future. Mm. When the world starts again. (laughs) When the world starts up and the engine is yet again running. Mm -hmm. I love hearing your experience with that. And I love the feeling of encouragement that is here right now. That as we talk about this, we want to remind you guys that we know you're doing a good job. We're trying to do a good job. Parenting is no joke. It is really hard. And also, we can totally cheer each other on in these efforts because we all have room for improvement. Our kids have room for improvement. Is that not the life experience that that we're supposed to have? That is the way it is. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. But when in doubt with your friends, with other parents, with your kids, with other human beings, with anyone, with yourself, encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. I love that. Ooh, Beck, thanks so much. You're welcome really feeling inspired. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things that you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings you feel and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye guys. Thank you, by the way, for the jicama and the Dots pretzels. They're delicious. I love Dots pretzels. Me too. What is it about? They have that kick. They have. That's. They're also the pride of Dakota. Oh, is that where they're from? Apparently. North Dakota Originals. Mm. It has things, things on them. Have you ever been to North Dakota? That's a no. Have you been to South Dakota? That's also a no. Did you know I'm from there? You are not. Kind of. What do you mean? I have lots of family heritage there. My dad's family is totally from South Dakota before they came from No Europe. way. Isn't that fun? So that I have fun. myself found a very special place in my heart for the Dakotas. Because I've actually been there several times. Also the dots. And the dots and the jicama. Oh, I love jicama. I'm really looking forward to dinner after this. <laughs>